I'm going to be continuing with the message. Just trying to give you an update, amen? An update that God's using you. Many times a lot of people think that's the pastor's ministry. No. He brought you at the appointed time. We are doing this together. You are part of what God is doing. So please understand that and pray for our ministry. The more we are out there, the more Satan wants to attack. So be aware of what the enemy is doing and pray for me. Pray for our church. It's your church as well. It's our church. This is our church ministry. Amen? Amen. Now, let's go to Isaiah chapter 50 verse 4. Please, let's say these words together in a minute. Uh, say it like you really mean it. And it's you. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Amen. You will never turn away from the Word of God. That means you will never turn away from Jesus because He is the Word of God. And you can hear His Word. Jesus said, why is it that you can't hear my words? Why is it that you can't listen to what I'm saying? He says, because you are not of God. If you are of God, then you will hear my words. And that's what you confess tonight, that you have heard this Word and you didn't turn away and God will never turn away from you. Please be seated. God bless. Father, I want to thank you. I give you praise that you have given me the tongue of the learned. And I thank you for your word in Jesus' name. Amen. The only way Satan can hold you back from getting into the fullness of God's plan for your life is to inject into your life unbelief in the promise of God. Let me let you know this. You cannot have faith without knowing the promise. You have to know the promise to have faith in the promise. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And every thing, every need you have in your life has a promise in the word of God. Whether it's emotional need, physical need, your marriage, whatever it is, you have a promise in the Word of God for that particular need. Because He meets every need. But you cannot have faith until you know the promise. And once you know the promise and fully understand the promise, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Once you understand the promise, faith will be there for the promise. And so what Satan wants to do is to inject unbelief in your heart with regards to the promise. And that's based on your past experience, the things you've heard in the past, what you've been told, the things that you believe erroneously before. He'll use those things subconsciously to hold you back. It's not that God doesn't want to bless you. It's not that you don't understand the promise. It's just that there is something that's holding you back. You want to believe but you find it hard. I mean, you have been there. You really want to believe so that God can do it, and you cannot tell why you're struggling with unbelief. 
And I'm saying to you, the reason for that, we're going to be talking about that, most likely is because of the things you've been taught erroneously in the past. And once you can identify those things, then go back to the Word of God and saturate your life with the Word of God in that area. And guess what? By and by, the unbelief will leave and then you rise up like Samson one morning. I got it! I'm going to go and shake myself now. And nobody's going to hold me back. Amen. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Every one of us have the potential to have perfect faith in God. Born out of the Word of God. When it's coming from the Word of God, it's perfect. When it's faith born out of the Word of God, it's perfect and God loves it and it will work. Nothing can hold you back. No matter how long that problem has been in your life, no matter how difficult it is, no matter how twisted the problem is, once you have perfect faith, that thing is going to be kicked down. And you have your freedom. Amen? So that's what the enemy does. He wants to inject unbelief or doubt in your heart. And this is one of the signs. I'm going to go to it. If you are afraid of what's going to come to you, you have Unbelief, even though you know the word and the promise. There is unbelief there. Fear is a clear sign that you are struggling with unbelief. Amen. If the doctor tells you something and you say, by his stripes I am healed, and there is still fear in your heart, you're still dealing with unbelief. You know the scriptures. But you still aren't able to believe the scriptures. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. So, it's so important that you know that God's on your side. And the only thing the enemy wants to do is to come at you to take the perfect faith born out of the word of God. Every one of us struggle with it. I deal with it. Once the doctor tells you something, and, and it's contrary, and I guess the one we fear the most is the word, the C word, right? Everybody. You can tell, oh, the doctor said you got cancer. And you can see the fear. What's cancer? Compared to he- headache, a headache with regards to God. God says, oh, you got cancer? Wow, that's a big one. <laughs> that same to him. It's just because of the way society and our human experience has dealt with cancer, even with, with God standing in front of you and the doctor telling you you're still having fear. How do you explain that? How do you explain that? You got God standing right in front of you and his doctor is telling you you have cancer and you're scared. Who, where did cancer come from? God can deal with that any day. You know, I try to remind myself when I'm struggling with unbelief, if he can wake him up after he's been dead for four days and his eyes are decayed, he can handle me. (laughs) My situation is not that bad. (laughs) He can deal with me. Amen. If he can raise him from the dead after he's been dead for four days. And the sisters are saying, by this time, the body stinks. 
meaning everything is gone. The brain is turned into much or whatever it is. There's nothing there. And Jesus said, come. And he came out. Come forth. He came forth. Nothing wrong with his mind. You don't have to test his mind or his eyes. He could see. That's the Jesus we're serving. And he is for us just as he was for Lazarus. So what Satan wants to do is to come at you with regards to your faith. Because if he can steal your faith, he's got you. If he can inject unbelief into your life, he's got you. He's got you in a corner. And he uses all the things available to him, especially the natural things that you are used to and you have experienced, that you've seen happen to other people and sometimes Christians and sometimes pastors. And he says to you, who do you think you are? It happened to that great pastor and, and, and you are not even near his holiness. Uh, you finished. And you say, you're right, devil, tell me more. Yeah, tell me more. And you're feeling bad already. Because it happened to pastor. We don't look to anybody. This is our standard. Amen. This is the standard. You don't have to look to pastor good luck. He's just a man. We all struggle with unbelief. This is what is perfect. Stay with the book. Amen. So what Satan wants to do is to go against the word of God. People go into all kinds of things. Some are into the emotions. And some are into... Forget all of those things. Stay with the word of God. It will never fail you. That's what I discovered. I stay with the word of God. Show me from the word and I'm ready to go. And if it's not there yet, God, please help me. I need what this word says. That's what's important. The word of God. Because that's what was there in the beginning. He tells you in the beginning was the word. The word has everything. The word is before everything. And so when you stay with the word, you can never go wrong. And the word can never fail you. He holds all things together by the word of his power. And so you insult God when you doubt his word. Amen. You really insult him when you doubt his word. But when you believe in his word, the Bible says without faith it is impossible to please God. So when you believe in his word, you really please him. And because you please him, there is no impossibility in your life. Amen. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But when you believe God, there is nothing that's going to be impossible for you. The Bible says all things are possible to him who believes. So what Satan wants to do is to inject your life with unbelief. And he does it with all the natural things that you know. But God lives in another level. Amen? He is from above. Luke chapter 22 Beginning verse 21, Jesus was talking to Peter. I like this, and I'm going to stay with this a little bit. So, this is really, this is really what's happening for every, in, in everybody's life, you and I. It's the way it works in the kingdom. You know, I've said it many times here. I don't read just to get into something and feel good. I'm looking for principles. Something 
a, a thread that runs all through the Bible. Amen? That means it's a principle. Gravity is a principle, a law, a principle, the way of the Lord. In other words, this is the way it is. It never fails. Just like gravity. You can be Prince William. If you jump from a plane, unless you have a parachute, you're going to die, son. You die. Yeah, I'm a prince. Yes, prince, you die. Because you have gone against the law of gravity. Now, remember, the law of aerodynamics can override the law of gravity. But you have to sustain it, right? You can have it for a while and quit. Turn off the engine. You coming down. Amen. So if you're going to walk in faith, stay with the law of the spirit of life. In Christ Jesus. And you'll never come down. But for us, because we are humans, we are up like this a little bit. I'm back up again. Just like that. But keep going up. Amen? Using the law. But this is what's going to happen to every one of us. And it's all the way in those scriptures. This is what Jesus told Peter. He said, Simon, Simon, indeed. You know, there was no doubt. Indeed, Satan has asked for you. Where did you see this before? In the life of Job. And we got it in the New Testament in the presence of Jesus. You mean Satan actually went to God and says, I want Peter. Give me Peter. And Jesus was saying, hey, Peter, watch out. He got his request. He's coming after you. God said yes. Hello? Hello? He did. He said, listen, he's going to come at you. And I pray you may, I've been praying for you so that you survive this attack. All right? For many of us, <laughs> Satan has been begging God, please let me whip him. Let me read. It says, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. You know what that means? God is saying, all these guys following, uh, Satan is saying, all these guys following your son and going about, look at them. They're arguing about who is greatest and who is the least and fighting about who is going to sit on the left and on the right hand. These guys are hypocrites. These guys are not real. I'll prove it to you. Let me sift them. Especially that one that talks a lot. Let And both he is always boasting. Let me show you. There's nothing there. Let me sift him. Can you get that from the scripture? That's what he's saying. I'm going to prove, just like with Job, I'm going to show to you the one that is loud mounted. I'm telling you, he's the leader. If I whip him, you know pretty much the others are nothing. Let me handle this one. The one that's saying, I will die for you. And Boston, let me show you, there's nothing there. Can you see that? 
sift you as wheat. In other words, I want to sift him so you really God, so you can see, just like he did with Job. Do this and you, he cuts you to your face. You remember that? That's what he was going to do with Peter. And Jesus said, but I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. Your faith will not fail. May God always put you in somebody's heart to pray for you. Amen. May God give somebody, put you in somebody's heart to pray for you. You know, I have never really understood it. I found out with people like Kenneth Higgins, some of us know who that is. He had people in his church, one of them died, and he was crying out to God because he says, Look, this man is too valuable to me. God, you can't have him. And the God, Jesus said, You got to go back. The guy said, No, I don't want to go. I want to stay here. He said, Well, your pastor will not let you stay. You got to go back. <laughs> he sent him back to the earth. I've never understood when people stay with their pastor, work with their pastor, Helping the pastor, especially if the pastor is really doing God's work, there's a difference in that person's life. Always. Jesus said, I'm praying for you, Peter. I'm, I'm really praying for you. That your faith will not fail. And he said, when you are converted, strengthen your brothers. Okay? When you return to me, that's conversion, right? When you change your mind... Converted, when you return to me, strengthen your brothers. You know, when Satan gets into your faith, he's bringing you down. That's the only thing he's after. All of these things happening to you, things not going well. I notice when things are not going well for Christians, guess what they want to stay? They don't want to go to church anymore. They want to stay at home. He's got you where he wants you. When you decide, I'm not going, I'm feeling too bad, I'm sick, and all of that, it always amazes me. They will stay home. That's where he wants you to be. He's made this point before God on your behalf. He's gotten your faith. Now you've decided, I'm not going to give anymore. I'm not going to go to church anymore. Pastor didn't tell them. He just shifts you. You just... Been tried and found wanting you cooperating. May God give us understanding, amen? So we know what's going on. You just don't quit. Just don't quit when you are tried. Because it's what is trying, he says, is the trying of your faith. God's trying your faith. And God's boasting on your behalf, don't fail him. Amen. Don't fail him. Go like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Even if God is not going to deliver us, we are not going to bow. We're ready to burn. <laughs> but you won't burn when you have that attitude. Because before you get in the fire, the Son of God is already there. Waiting for you. Because you are royalty. Amen. And after that, your story will change. Because the king is saying, that first man in the fire with you, who is that? Can you give him some good words about me? Please, talk to him. And that's why he promoted them. 
So that's what Satan is after in your life. He's not after the, something may happen to your kids, something may happen to your finances. That's not what he's after. Those are just what comes with what he's really after. He's really after your faith. And that's what it was with Job. He says he'll curse you. And when Job didn't do it, God says, I'll bless him twice, even more than what he had before. That's just what it is. I'm trying to show you principle from the word of God. What he's after is your faith. If he can inject unbelief for whatever reason into your life, he's got you. He's got you. The thing is for you to stay with the word of God. Amen? <coughs> Excuse me. Stay with the word of God. Unbelief is a killer. It makes you do things. And then we come into doubt. There's a big difference between doubt and unbelief. So you can understand it. It's a big difference. Some doubt's good. Okay? Some doubt's good. If you see uh, a Tim Wheeler bearing down on the road, uh, you must have a little bit of doubt that you don't have enough time to cross. If you do that, and stay, but if you do that, uh, you might be flattened if you're not careful. So it's good to have some doubts, amen, and a little bit of fear. Yeah. But unbelief is a different thing. It's deadly. And we'll talk about the difference about those. those. You see, there are three reasons in my mind why people, even though they know the word of God, and they know what God says, why they still struggle with unbelief. Three. The first one is believing the wrong thing. Believing the wrong thing. That means you have been taught so much something that's wrong for so long and you've come to accept it as the right thing. Now you are being confronted with the truth and it's really hard to accept it. It's really hard to accept it. And anyone can be vulnerable. Notice what Jesus said to uh, Peter. He said, when you, uh, when you return to me, strengthen your brethren. You know what we were talking about? The others also fell away. It was every one of them. Every one of them. So when you have been taught something different, it shows. Paul, he even suffered from it. Paul, Apostle Paul, suffered from serious unbelief. That means unbelief is you are seeing the evidence right in front of you, but you refuse to accept it. That's what happened when Jesus went into Nazareth. They knew he had done miracles, Right? They, they knew mighty signs have been done in his hand. But they couldn't believe because of their wrong thinking. What they believed about him. All they were saying was, that's the carpenter. That's the carpenter. He was not a priest. He wasn't born into a prophet's home. Where did this thing come from? The signs were right there, but they refused to accept it. And paid the price for it. Because nobody was healed. Paul also suffered it, you know. I'm going to explain to you. Paul knew, Paul was around when Stephen was there. 
He knew about the miracles. Didn't he? Nothing was done in secret. I'm sure Paul, he was in the Sanhedrin. Paul possibly knew about the man that sat at, the, at Gate Beautiful. Remember that? And the one that was healed and then Peter stood before them. He knew all of those things and the world was everywhere in town of the miracles that the disciples were doing. But Paul had been taught not to believe in that Messiah. And so what? He killed because of his unbelief. He refused to accept it. Unbelief is you know the truth is staring at you in your eyes, but you will not go in with it. It means you separate yourself. The word unbelief means to separate yourself thoroughly from whatever is coming to you and sometimes to oppose it. And sometimes they get, they, they get angry about it. It's staring in their face, they see the miracle and they get angry because they believe something different. And fight it. So Paul also suffered. Now let me tell you about the disciples. In, in uh, Matthew chapter 26, uh, I didn't give that to you, Kathy. But it's Matthew 26 and I'm going the Amplified Version. You don't need to put it up. Let me just read it. It's okay. It says, Then Jesus said to them, You will be offended and stumble and fall away because of me this night. Distrusting and deserting me. You know why? They had a different set of belief concerning the Messiah. Even though Jesus was telling them the Son of Man was going to be put to death, that's not the way they believed. Hello? They didn't believe that. They didn't think about him dying. Jesus, when Jesus said, I'm going to Jerusalem, Peter took him aside and was rebuking him. They didn't accept it. Because that's not the way they had been taught. And so, even though the Son of God, they seen miracles, they saw him walk on water, what he was telling them didn't sink in. They wouldn't accept it. And so, when they were taking him, now it's like... I wonder if he told us the truth. They were offended at him. That's what he says. Many of you are going to be offended at me tonight. And you'll stumble. And you'll walk away from me. You see how dangerous unbelief can be? When you believe something. I've dealt with people. When you're trying to tell them the truth from the scriptures. They can see it. And you can see the anger rising up in them. Against what you're showing them from the scriptures. They're almost fighting you. And you, all you're trying to do to help them. That's how serious unbelief is. They abandoned him. Distrusting me, he said. And deserting me. He says, for it is written, he tells them why. I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. You know, that was once they took Jesus and they were doing what they were doing. Their mind is, ah, no, something is not right here. Something is not right. They all left. But then after that, they started thinking, oh, how is all of this going to happen? So what you do is, a lot of, you get depressed, thought about those things. You remember some of the guys from Emmaus? They said, we thought that he was going to be the Messiah, but look, they killed him, see? And they were really sad. It's, it's, it's like this sense of hopelessness. 
unbelievable. A sense of hopelessness. There's nothing. How are we going to get out of this? That's unbelief. Is anything too hard for our God? Don't we all know that? But here, this little stuff comes in the mail, and we don't have a good mattress. <laughs> I mean, I'm not talking to you. That happens to me. I had to pray in tongues a good bit when that happened. Oh, yes. To rid myself of it. And then you stand up and you kept yelling the word of God. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The reason I'm doing that is I'm trying to get myself up. Because uh, this thing is knocking me down a little bit, you know, with unbelief. Now I quote the scriptures and speak it a lot. The blood of Jesus and the word of God to boost myself up. And then you do that and then after a while you feel like something. I can take you on now. Come. I'm ready for you. So you beat unbelief. No, we are talking about freedom from unbelief. Amen. Basically, it's a decision. You change your mind. And like what was said by some of the Jews. They said, when the Pharisees were telling them he cannot be the Messiah, they said, well, we'll go ahead. We will go ahead and believe. It's a decision. We will go ahead and believe in him. Even if he were not the Christ. You see, they took a risk. Even if he were not the Christ. When the Christ, the real Christ comes, will he be able to do more miracles than this man has done? That was their conclusion. We will believe. It won't be our fault. Look at what his God is doing through him. If he's not the Christ, God has to explain to us why he is able to do all these miracles. So we go ahead, we'll believe in him. It's a decision. God has decided, no, he's from Nazareth. And no prophet is supposed to come from Nazareth. We see the signs, we see the miracles, we heard about him walking on water, multiplying bread. Yeah, that's all right, but, 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 but this is from Nazareth. We can't believe that. That's what unbelief would do to us. Believing the wrong thing. The second thing is focusing on the wrong thing. One of the problems that people encounter in the church is how they feel. Hello? I just don't feel. What has feeling got to do with this? Stay with the word. You can go up and down with feelings. It is the word, the word of God. That's what's important. God's not going to confirm your feelings. He'll confirm his word. And many times people mistake feelings for anointing. That's a serious mistake. I've had serious miracles when I was not feeling really nice. Oh, amen. I'm shocked that the miracle even took place. And they are saying, that man of God. I'm saying, where is he? Because <laughs> I wasn't feeling like a man of God when I prayed. It has nothing to do with it. God has already anointed me. Amen. Well, that's why I like Smith Wigglesworth. He, they asked him, they said, uh, do you feel the anointing when you move like that? You are feeling the anointing. He said, no, I don't feel nothing. I move and the Holy Spirit catches up with me. <laughs> Amen. You suffer with unbelief 
if you are depending on your feelings. Because you won't pray because you are not feeling real good this day. What has that got to do with the word of God? He says, lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover. Do you have to feel excited before you lay your hands? Is that what he said? When you feel excited, lay your hands. And that's when they're going to be healed. Well, I don't feel excited today. Why don't you come tomorrow and we'll lay our hands on you? Is it so God has to depend on your feeling to make somebody well? That's where unbelief comes in. I generally discourage it after God showed me I just don't care about that. I want, so you know, I have nothing to do with it. Amen? I have nothing to do with it. Let all the glory go back to him. And just your brother. But I've been able to understand the word and stay with the word. Amen? Oh boy. I'm getting too excited. The time has gone. (laughs) I'm going to stop right here. Amen. If you're watching over the television... I just want you to know that God loves you and he cares for you and you don't have to be afraid because he loves you dearly. He can take care of you. He can take care of your family. He can take care of every need in your life. He loves you. And all you have to do is receive him into your life. God's not going to force himself on you. He's a gentleman. Should I say, a gentle God. But if you accept him, he will come into your family and into your life and you'll see the difference. Why don't you make a decision for him today and receive him as your Lord and Savior? You're here. If you need to accept Christ, this is the right time to do it. Receive Christ into your life. Can you all just close your eyes with me and you over the television there, pray with me. Pray with me to, to this day and let God come into your life. Say with me. And everybody join me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son to be the Savior of my life. Jesus, I accept you today into my life to be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for coming into the world for my sake. Thank you for being my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen.